Hi, SheQuest. Welcome to SheQuest podcast guest series. I'm your host, Estelle Thompson. This series of podcast shows is titled Bodyful, Wake Up to Your Body. This month, we explore and dive deep in the magic of your body. For me, that means going beyond the intellectual understanding and moving into a visceral, embodied, and feeling place. If this series of episodes had a soundtrack, it would be by the song from Feist, I Feel It All. And feeling it all is not something we always know how to do. How can we feel whole when many of us feel disembodied? How can we feel a sense of belonging in the larger world if we don't even feel a sense of belonging in our bodies? My hope is that through our guests this month, we start we start this conversation and give you techniques to feel it all. Thanks, Vice. And also how building a relationship with your body can empower the relationship with yourself and your life. So today, I'm so very thrilled to have the author, doula extraordinaire, and women empowerment coach, Jessie Harold, as a return guest to the podcast. So please, 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 if you haven't listened to our first episode, Women in Body, go listen to episode four now on iTunes, Project Body Love at Home and Embodied is the title of our show. So this episode right now really evolves from the first and take, we're really taking a look into like a deep dive into Jesse's book, Project Body Love. Um, and we hope to make this podcast super workshoppy. So do perhaps go get yourself a journal and a pen, sit back, relax. And Jesse, are you still there? <laughs> I'm still here. I'm so in. Hi, Jesse. So I, I want to start with a huge confession. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> there was like a huge pause. I thought you <laughs> I haven't read your book. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, True be told, I've read, like, seriously, I've read major parts of it. I just haven't read it from, like, page one till the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You don't need to have read the book. <laughs> Thank God. I was like, I'm just going to say it, like, right off from the beginning. Um, but I, I, the girls have been mentioning about it. And, I mean, I've seriously, like, I've been – there's so much poetry in that book, Jesse. Like, they're so rich and so raw and so vulnerable. Um, like, how do you feel having written it? <laughs> hmm, that's a really good – I love that question. <laughs> I'm just about to do this workshop on taking – on, like, writing your first book. And one of my big – messages is like don't share your story until you feel ready to share your story until it feels like a safe well I won't say safe like of course it's brave of course it takes courage but it feels like an okay thing to do um yeah that story sat on my hard drive for um a year uh, pretty much like mostly finished um, waiting for me to feel like I could stand in it and um, and kind of receive whatever whatever reception it was going to get um, 
and be okay still in my, in myself and in my body. And so, um, it doesn't feel as scary having those words out in the world, um, maybe as it could have, because I feel like I've shared a story that's mostly healed. Um, and also I just feel like, you know, the book has been out since January, 2019. So that's like 10 months now. And it's just been 10 months of, um, sharing my story with everyone else in the world who has the very same story. And um, so really, I just feel in very good company with all of the other women. And I think I've shared this with you before, Estelle, but I kind of think of it as being both incredibly sad and incredibly exciting at the same time that, um, you know, it's sad that we all share, so many of us share a story of feeling disembodied or feeling like we don't belong in our own skin um, or, or, you know, putting forth great efforts to change our bodies. Um, that's sad to me. Um, mm-hmm. And also it's exciting because I think we're finally waking up to it and um, together, like through the work that you're doing and the work that I'm doing, we're supporting women with the tools that we need to reclaim our bodies after you know, there's a lot of shame and a lot of secrecy around our relationships with our bodies. So if anything, one of my good friends, who's a good coach friends, I don't know if that's a thing, Mara Glatzel says, permission loves company. Um, Yeah, permission loves company. So it's like, you know, there's permission to to, um, start where you are and feel how you feel about your body to actually speak the words that you feel instead of um, hiding them in shame. And that you have permission to maybe not always love your body um, and, and permission to reclaim it uh, as your own um, rather than having it belong to the culture or anyone else for that matter. Oh, I love that. It's so clear when you talk, you know, and um, I want to just mention something you just said, like uh, about like sharing a story in a book. Like I've been sitting on this all week, how, cause I've been thinking about that too somehow, but how like we make, I guess, brave feel like it should feel good. But I feel like each time mm-hmm. they like, I posted about like Tommy or like grief, like it didn't feel good. <laughs> you know, like it felt good after yeah. and it felt like a release after. And like, it was so much easier to write about it in hindsight like um you know I would have never been able to do the documentary like a year after like his passing let's say but like five years after it was like totally possible uh not because I was removed from it but because of integration and just my process with it um do you feel like that like did it feel good or bad writing the book or a bit of both (laughs) I think, I don't, you know, that's a good question. Um, As I was writing the book, I think um, the process felt very matter of fact to me. And like, honestly, it's a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, (laughs) I've always wanted to write a book. This is definitely not the book I thought I was going to write. Um, But part of me, part of me started writing this book in a very pragmatic way in the sense that, okay, A, I wanted to write a book and B, I'm a very firm believer in that saying, and I'm going to, I don't know who, um, who said it first, but it was um, do something worth writing about. And 
you know, in, in my life at the time before I started writing the book, um, this relationship with my body was really front and center and I wanted to, to shift it. And so it, it, like on a very pragmatic level, it seemed to make a lot of sense to write a book about it. Um, but it's certainly not like really what I in, intended to write a book about, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago. Um, and so part of the process felt like I was like ready to, in the same way as you describe, like feeling, um, you know, at a point in your healing process, like, no, of course, you know, similar to, to my experience, like, I don't think we're ever maybe fully healed. You know, I don't know if we're, I don't know if I, well, I, I talk often about the fact that I still don't love my body, even though I wrote the the book on project body love, we can dive into that later. Um, But, you know, that I felt like clear enough and kind of complete enough in my process that I could speak the words. So it wasn't like, I don't, like think of it I don't look back on it as this like wrenching process um it felt illuminating to me because I think I learned a lot um and I felt very fiery uh writing it because it unleashed like an anger in me um that I had spent so much of my time and energy and personal resources trying to change my body and when I started to to explore some of the like cold hard evidence about dieting and about diet culture um if anything like the feelings that I had were feelings of like fire and anger and um and maybe that's what fueled fueled the book. I have no idea. The mystery is that I have no idea when or why I decided this needed to be not just for me, you know, like that this wasn't just kind of like a little writing project that I was doing and it was going to stay on my computer. I have no, there was not, there was no altruistic mission. There was not like, Oh, this book is going to change the world. Um, I didn't even know if this book was going to change me. And yet something in me told me that this was a book and it was going to be for the world. I have no idea what happened in between. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, there's so much I want to like kind of talk about, but um, I guess, I guess if you're like, if somebody would listen to this podcast right now, didn't know you, didn't know Project Body Love, um, like I'd, I'll assume a few, like a few of the people that uh, will listen to this have read it. Um, I've, I've half read it. <laughs> Um, at Chiquest, we say like our she story. Um, so just like your background and, uh, you don't have to like go cause the other episode too, but just a bit more, um, how you became to be. And I, I love what you said about the healing. Um, like, like you are, do you feel you're an expert now? Or like, like, I don't feel I'm a grief expert, you know, like, <laughs> just like thinking about it I was like am I ever healed like I don't know like maybe I've learned to integrate it better or like you know what I mean like I find almost healing such a loaded word like do you know what I mean a question (laughs) but I'm just like I just want like can you tell just your story like where did you grow up and how did you become kind of like I know you're like, and and it was like inspiration really that made you write the book. You know, like uh, there there doesn't need to be a reason why you wrote the book, even though there 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 was, you know. Um, but tell us just a bit about like your background and how because now you do run courses on your book, you know, like the Project Body Love and um, 
all that. So what ma- makes you like so passionate about it? Yeah. Oh, that's like the biggest question ever, Estelle. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my background, <laughs> you want to know like from the beginning? <laughs> well, this um, story and perhaps because like it's really like it's like this, you know, body fullness. And so maybe just more related to that. Yeah. Yeah. Roger that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, so when I often, when I talk about the book, um, when I'm, you know, doing workshops and talks and things like that, how I open is actually, you know, the beginning of my, my body love story specifically, which is that I found out that I was fat when I was six years old and there's a real beauty in that. Hey, like kids have no idea about their own bodies. And then sadly, someone will reflect it back to them. Right. Did somebody tell you or. Right. Yeah. So it was Halloween and I, I went to the door of a neighbor's house and um, she, I was dressed up like a witch and, and she asked me, she said, Oh, what have we here? And before I could answer, she said, a fat witch. And, um, so that was when I realized like my body was, was different. That's kind of like the first memory that I have. And, um, and the book, uh, kind of about half of the book is really kind of that history, like uncovering the history of my relationship with my body, um, which really has been like very, very nearly lifelong for me. Uh, I was lucky to kind of escape most of the, you know, like any efforts to change my body size as a young child, but as a teenager, um, I was introduced to the cool things that my body could do on a sort of, on a very unlikely whitewater rafting trip that my dad and I took when I was 16 years old. I say unlikely because I was a really kind of bookish child. I would sit on the dodgeball court at recess, like fending off balls while writing a novel. So I wasn't really a dodgeball player, <laughs> both literally and metaphorically, generally. We would have been best friend in high school because, like, I, I was in the library <laughs> all lunch hour. Like, I would just want to hide at lunch. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. I wore combat boots and tried to start poetry slams and got made fun of and wore had blue hair and played the bass. That was me. Um, <laughs> we totally were yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so that's what <laughs> um yeah, so that's kinda of like that's where it began and, and on this whitewater rafting trip, um I you know it was it was a it was a very adventurous thing for us to do and um on the last rapid of the day we flipped out of our boat and it was a five plus rapid, huge rapid. Um and we essentially swam to the bottom of it at the end. Um, after we figured out that everybody was okay, I was like, oh my God, my body can do cool things. And so throughout the duration of my twenties, I continued to do very cool things with my body and really used my body as a way to find a sense of belonging, um, by, by kind of achieving things with it, by getting the gold stars for doing really cool stuff. So I ran marathons, I ran a half marathon, I did triathlons, I joined a tackle football team. Then it got really serious and I broke a record for the fastest swim across the Northumberland Strait. And then I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro three weeks later. You didn't? Ah, yes. So, so yeah, it got a little extreme 
a really extreme and it was never enough. Right. And so, you know, behind the scenes, I was, I had discovered Weight Watchers and, um, I had started to lose weight and, um, I was getting attention from boys and, (laughs) and I was obsessing about like how many calories would I burn on this four hour run? Um, so it, you know, there was this shadow side to what was happening for me through my twenties. And, um, in my thirties, I learned that my body could do another really cool thing, which was conceive and grow and nourish a baby and then another baby. Um, and, and so after I'd had my children, I just, my body, I felt completely disoriented in it. Um, I felt like it wasn't my own anymore. It was very different. Um, it had both done this amazing thing and um, in the process was made um, quite societally unacceptable. Um, I was even further from the kind of quote unquote ideal that society has for women's bodies. Um, and so that was a tricky way to be. And I also didn't have the time or desire to work out for three hours a day or learn how to make grain free granola. And so um I was in a place of needing to shift my relationship with my body um, and not wanting to or being able to or being highly skeptical of the all the tools that I had used to do mm. that before. And that was kind of the beginning of Project Body Love. And in my like life, as you you know mentioned in the introduction, I'm a coach. Um, I work with women as a doula. I work with women going through major life transitions, major transformations. That seems to be kind of the theme in the work that I do. And so um, I kind of used the skills and the learnings that I had from my work to approach this issue of wanting to love my body and not knowing how. So I kind of took a dose of my own medicine and that's how um, Project Body Love kind of came to fruition in terms of the nuts and bolts of, of what occurred there. I, I, you and I have talked about rites of passage in the past. And so I looked at this um, as though it were a rite of passage, as though I wasn't just going to kind of behave differently or do or not do things differently, which is kind of what diet culture says, like, do this, don't do this. Um, instead I wanted to approach this as, um, an identity shift. Like who would I be if I stopped dieting? Um, and I think it's a really interesting question because when we talk about like that sense of belonging that we feel or don't feel to the rest of the world because of the way our body is, um, I think that that it really kind of ties into this idea of identity, because if you choose now to not diet and then therefore like no longer belong to all the other people who are dieting or all the other people who look a certain way, then who are you? And I think that's kind of the question at the heart of Project Body Love. And I think it's the the approach that I that I take with the idea of shifting who you are as opposed to shifting the things that you're doing or not doing, like shifting what you're being in the world. I love that, Jesse. Hey there. Interrupting this incredibly heart-opening episode to let you know about my new art channel. If you're listening to this podcast as a SheQuest member, this feature is included in the membership sisterhood community. Yay! 
more than eight 21 days of mindful art classes and curated topics for each class, such as 21 days of birds and butterfly, 21 days of love and loss, 21 days of women and power, and so on. Classes and programs are being uploaded on a monthly basis. If you aren't part of the membership and would like to try the art channel, this option is now available. Use the coupon SHEART, that's S-H-E-A-R-T, all big letters, to get one month free. And tell the women and men you know and love about this stunning opportunity to develop a home art practice. SheQuest membership doors will open again in January. But until then, enjoy my art channel and say yes to creative living, yes to showing up, and yes to connection. Now back to our ever-expanding conversation. Okay, I love that. Um, and on, like, we both read that book. Um, what was the book, uh, uh, Jesse Sharon Blackie? Oh, the Enchanted Life. The Enchanted Life. So, and and I feel like. Um, I mean, I feel like there's just a little section about it, but when I read that, like, I just thought about you and your book and what you're teaching to women and this something too, that we always, us to get so fired about is like how, like nature connects us to our body and nobody ever makes that connection. Like, like we literally are trees. We're like flowers for me. Like that's such a, that was like a big healing part for me in relation to my body. And, um, and, um, so in your, I guess in your own word, inspired by, you know, um, that, that book and like your own book, I guess, what does body full mean for you? I think it's, being in in your body it's being in relationship with your body um and I think you know when I was writing project body love I thought that the the outcome that I wanted to achieve in the writing of the book and in the kind of the process that I was going through as I was writing it was to love my body um hence the name and (laughs) and I, you know, finished, almost finished the book and, and towards the end, I was like, Shit, I don't love my body. Um, you know, maybe sometimes or maybe for some reasons, but not completely. I, like, And then I realized that I didn't actually know what that meant to love my body. Like, and, you know, if everyone listens, listening wants to just kind of like pause and think about that. Like, what does it actually look like to love your body? Like, what are you doing differently? What are you, who are you being differently? How are you thinking differently if you love your body? It's, it's not that tangible. And when we really get into what it means to love your body, I think actually what's more interesting than that outcome, because I kind of think like with the body positivity world, like, thank God we've got body positivity, but at the same time, body love is like, has, I think just become another outcome that we're failing to achieve because we live in a world that doesn't always love our bodies back. And so I think the body fullness or being in relationship with your body, even being like, even feeling a neutral way towards your body, um, which, and I guess Jelly, the writer of um, Curvy Yoga, who I love, she says, you know, if you're neutral in your body, it means that you're in your body because you can, you can, just sort of notice what's happening in it in that moment and, you know, meet your needs 
if, if your body is expressing a need or just be present with what is, even if it's a feeling that's not so hot, not so positive, you know? Um, and so what I think is like, is more revolutionary than, than body love is actually body fullness, like the, the, the a presence within our bodies where so many of us, you know, talking about like pulling that into that kind of earth connection. So many of us are disconnected from everything going on below our necks. Um, I think it's truly revolutionary for us to reclaim that connection again and just notice what's happening in your body. Um, And to me, that seems like a very tangible thing. Whereas body love is quite nebulous, I feel like I can endeavor to be present to my body uh, every day. And that feels like more important work to me than, than any amount of love, <laughs> which I think ironically is loving, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I think it's so much easier to kind of put your finger I, on it. You know, when I talk and yeah. even when like we're together, like not even like recording shit or something, like I'm like taking notes. <laughs> so much I get like full body shivers yes like it lands so much on me there's there's so much there I could talk about but I guess leading into like for the listener I like how perhaps talk how are you present you know in your body every day how does that look like for you Mm, yeah that's a really good question and I fail at it often (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is where you're also going to geek out because I think my response to this has to do with ritual Um, because I would forget uh, to tap into and tune into my body if it weren't for the kind of day-to-day rituals in my life that allow me to notice it. I am, like you, a mom and kind of have a, you know, wild life and... um, in order to be okay in that chaos, which I think like we all kind of have a fair amount of chaos in our lives. Um, I have these rituals that kind of just remind me to check in with myself. Um, and so I try to move every day and often that movement is outside, um, and like walking outside. Um, that's my favorite form of it anyways. And I have a few little rituals that I do on my walk that just kind of, allow me to tap in. So even if my mind is spinning on the whole rest of the time, there's like a few moments where I um, can just be present to myself. Um, And also I would say that, you know, it doesn't sound like a body fullness practice, but like my writing practice every morning, um, because I actually is kind of um, embodied for me because when I'm getting it right, um, I actually feel like my words are channeled through me and so it's in the making of a clear channel for creativity that um that I'm able to tune into my body so great and your clients like are the are there other ways you feel like those I guess are your personal ones um do you know of any other to connect with the body yes (laughs) yes totally one of my favorite right one of my favorite um do you know what? Do you want to just do it? Do you, can I like 
guide a little meditation? Would that be crazy? Yes, please. That wouldn't be crazy. I would love for you to do that. Okay. Bring it on. All right. Get comfy, Estelle. Get comfy, everybody. Um, <laughs> this is a meditation that I teach with basically everything I do. Anytime I'm sitting in a room with living humans, we do this meditation. Um, and it's called the heart needs meditation. So I'm going to invite you to find a seat, find a space that feels comfortable to you, whether you're laying on the floor or sitting in a chair and find a way to connect with the ground, either your feet on the earth, your bum in the chair and closing your eyes and just taking a couple rounds of nice deep breaths. And just noticing the ways in which you are being supported, your body is being supported right now. Not just the places you're touching the floor or your chair, but even the way your pelvis supports your spine, which supports your skull. Yeah, and just... For a moment, as you're kind of tuning in to the body, see if you can notice your heart beating. So it's there all the time, but it's not something we often pay much attention to. So you might feel it in your chest, but you might also feel it in your fingertip or your toes. You might hear it in your ears or Maybe you just have a knowing that it's there. So I'm going to give you a moment to tap into your heartbeat. Let's make that even more real and kind of place both hands, both palms over your heart. Just see if you can actually feel your heart beating in the palms of your hands. Our heart has this knowledge, has this way of knowing that's really different than the way that we are used to. That kind of up in our head way of knowing but your heart has a wisdom to it and it really wants to share it with you your heart is the one one of many ways that your body just shows up for you every single day your heart is beating and it means that you're perfect So I want to invite you to ask your heart what it needs right now and just listen for the answer. And trust that the first answer you receive is the right one.
And now pulling your hands away from your chest, hold them out in front of you and in the palms of your hands, held like this precious little jewel, little treasure, is your heart need. And notice if it has a shape or a color or a density, maybe a viscosity. What does that need look like? What does it feel like? How does it feel to hold your need in your hands? And now imagine what it might look like if it were met. If that need were transmuted and were fully met, maybe it changes color, maybe it changes density, maybe it becomes lighter. Watch it change before your very eyes and your mind's eye. And now raising your hands up over your head. Pretend that you're pouring that met need over your head and down over your body. It's enveloping your body in this warmth and this sense of being taken care of, in this sense of self-trust and self-worth. It's warm. It's comforting. It feels like a beautiful embrace. Breathing here. Noticing your feet on the ground. Your bum in your chair. All the ways that you're supported right now. Including the way that you know to support yourself. How was that? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Come on. Back. Back. <laughs> we should just have a, a little capsule where we can listen to that every day. <laughs> yes. Well, I, yeah, I encourage people to do that every day um, because I think, you know, one of the ways in which we can reclaim and rebuild our relationship with our body is just to learn how to meet its needs again. So I joke with the women that I work with, like how many of us don't pee when we need to pee, right? And like everybody raises their hand. Um, it's all funny. Yeah, okay. But little things. And we talk a lot about that in the voice module as well, where it's like the little things you don't say and they, they just add up. Like totally. just the little things you don't say to your partners, the little things that you don't you know the little things matter too and lately lately too jesse i've been because i i've been doing it like a lot of embodiment work and in the module for she quest this month um i do an exercise with them that's called touching enlightenment and it's from the book from sharon blackie but it's literally just you know you're laying on your back and you breathe in your feet, but like you really feel your feet, like you really feel your toes and like you just do it for your, you know, your entire body. Um, it's like, and that connection builds resiliency, like to be in your body is, it's, it's, it's so, 
simple and yet mm-hmm. it's it's so hard like yeah. we're so distracted yeah. you know <laughs> the little meditation made me think of you know that that exercise and just just the also the the other thing that was on my mind was um the things that I should be over with like oh I should be over like like the, I, I don't know if I have a good example, but like things that like mattered in high school or something that shouldn't matter anymore. Like, like girls that can wear this type of things. I just hate them because they can wear that and I can't or whatever. And like that stuff should not matter now that I'm a like 38 year old woman, but like it still does. Do you know what I mean? So like, why not bring that in? Like even the cliches and like, it doesn't have to be like, deep things to like bring that in when it mm-hmm. when it comes up does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah I think so yeah. I think so yeah I think like uh, what you touch on is is kind of two things it's like self-compassion um and and I think that's sort of you know it's the ultimate lesson of project body love is like hey it's hard to love your body like we live in a world um and this world is not kind to all bodies women's bodies bodies with different abilities bodies of different color bodies of different shapes and sizes um and you'd have to be a robot to not feel that sometimes right and i think um that we'd be quick to say like, oh, we're having those kind of like (laughs) low level feelings of like jealousy or guilt or whatever. Um, And punish ourselves for feeling that way instead of just going like, oh, honey, that sucks. Like, (laughs) you know, it's not fun to feel that way, but it's okay to feel that way. And you can feel that way for as long as you need to until you're ready to not feel that way anymore. You know, Um, And with the, like tending to those needs that's like I I talk often about because I'm a doula and I work with women and babies a lot um I talk about how like we would you know and you don't have to be a mother to like imagine this but we don't deny the needs of our children right like they need to pee we let them pee like they're hungry we make them food um you know you have a baby they cry we you know figure it out we figure it out and um and what that teaches children is a sense of trust, is a sense of like, not just trusting you um, as a caregiver, like care provider, but also trusting the world. Like the world is a, is a safe place and also self-trust, sorry, self-trust, like trusting themselves that like I'm uncomfortable, so I'm going to cry and then I'm going to get my needs met. And then somewhere along the way, that disappears for us, you know? And it's, um, we, so when we, actually don't advocate for our own needs, even if the need is just like to pee when you need to pee, what that is actually doing is undermining our self-trust. It's not just a little thing. It's not just like a possible mm. bladder infection. It's something where it runs a lot deeper than that. It's like, it undermines our ability to feel like we can take care of ourselves. And, you know, a lot of us are kind of like very subconsciously conditioned to believe that someone else is going to take care of us for us. And when we're able to start meeting those needs, so even the physical ones, like I think not even, I think we start with the physical needs. Um, it's a practice, right? Of, you know, I, I take women through kind of three steps of meeting those needs. First, first is just to acknowledge that you have the need and to like validate that it's okay to have that need. Um, 
and then to meet that need. And sometimes we meet it imperfectly, but we actually know that when it comes to building self-trust, that even meeting that need imperfectly um, is better than not meeting it at all. Um, And so, right. And when we're able to kind of do that with our physical needs, then we can start to do that with our emotional needs. So, Hey, I'm feeling sad. It's okay to feel sad. What could I do right now to like support myself? Maybe I need a good cry. Maybe I need to watch Netflix. Like again, it doesn't have to be skillful. It just has to, you have to feel as though you can meet your own needs. Um, and it's profound. Um, And I think so, like coming back to that heart needs and that sort of tuning into your body, if that's all you do, like drink water when you need to drink water and pee when you need to pee and, and then maybe like move when you need to move and then maybe, um, say yes to the cake when you want it or, you know what I mean? And then, and then, oh, it's okay to feel grief right now. It's okay to feel anger right now. Like there's all kinds of permission that we can give ourselves when we're able to like notice, validate and meet. I love that. And like, I feel that was actually my next question was just for somebody that like has no idea how to start, you know, like I get that question all the time in relation to yoga. Like people just feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like how, where can I even start? Just what you just said, you know, that, you know, that's what you would say. Well, just start with meeting, you know, your little needs, <laughs> you know, and that is profound in itself. Yeah, totally. And I mean, the heart needs meditation is a great, is a great place to begin. And another kind of starting point that I often um, work with, with people who, you know, take my workshops and, and take the Project Body Love program um, is making what I call a fearless and searching inventory of what you know to be true about your body. And so what it is, is, and it's, I, I, um, I write about this in the book. I did it for myself. And so that's kind of why, why I feel like it works well. Um, uh, in the book, it's called 41 Things I Know About My Body. And you don't have to come up with 41, but I challenge you to come up with as many as you can. Um, things that you know to be true. So what that means is not a judgment, not a perception, a truth about your body. And, you know, you can start with things like I'm, I have blue eyes. <laughs> I like chocolate, <laughs> you know, um, and, and move on from there. And what's interesting about this, Estelle, I think, I feel like we've, we've had this conversation offline before that um, it seems like a very simple practice. And it can be very confronting because a great many of us um, actually don't know the answer to those questions. You know, we, I joke like some of us are trying to remember how we, how we like our eggs. Um, I think that's from a movie somewhere. Um, but like this kind of reuniting with self, not just with body, but with, with self, um, because there's so many things that pull us away from ourselves. And so what do you know to be true about your body? Um, and it's one of those lists that you take and you like fold it up and you put it in your purse and you bring it with you and you work on it for as long as it takes until you don't know what to write anymore. Um, and you, and it really, it triggers us to notice like, Hey, yeah, like how does my body feel when this happens? Or, you know, and, and so it's just, it's just these objective truths. And a lot of us have never even have, you know, it's, it's not just about having that relationship with our body and knowing what's true in our bodies, but then 
noticing how often um, the way we think about our bodies and what we think we know to be true about mm. our bodies is actually a judgment. Oh, I love that so much. And um, I, well, I was so inspired by your book and actually that, you know, that part, that really hands-on part where, and that's what we're doing in SheQuest this month for our journaling prompt, Jesse, is, you know, um, the first part is reuniting reunited things I know about my body. Um, and yeah, you did 41, but I, you know, I tell them to do at least, you know, 10 and I mean, reading the other girl is so moving, you know? And then the second part was the apology and then things you apologize for Mm -hmm. your body. So if you're listening to the podcast right now, you know, these are great practices like you know, where can you, um, you know, what are you sorry for? You know, um, like, I'm, I'm sorry I overworked you. I'm sorry I overexercised you. I'm, I'm sorry. Like there, um, you know, it's like when I did that one, it was like really easy. That part was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just so sorry, you know? Um, and that was really, pivotal for me. And then the last one we did is, or we're doing is who and what do you forgive? Um, and that one, that one too, one of my story was I, I, and I, I share it, um, in the body, body module, but I, I was in grade five. So I must've been, I don't know, nine or no, 10, probably 10 or 11. And I was on the diving board, you know, at, at summer in a summer pool. And the pool was just like so busy and it was so sunny. Like it was the brightest it's ever been. And, and some, you know, some random kid just told me I had big thighs, you know, <laughs> and that stayed with me until I was in college. And I remember like just always wanting to hide my thighs. And like, I even, I still get, and like, I've worked with that, but that, that was such a moment for me where like, like, you know, kind of like your fat witch, like comment where it was like, oh, I have big thighs. Like, (laughs) oh, like somebody told me, and like, I've forgotten that little boy, you know, cause like, you know, it's not, you know, his fault, but yeah. It's not his fault that I wore dresses over yeah. jeans for like most of my like young adult years, you know, but um, it's like it stayed with me and it it, it it stayed in my body. And it was like and uh, yeah, and it was like really angry about about that, that like, like. I love my thighs. Like, thank God, like, you know, my thighs are strong and like to almost change the narrative to be like you know, and it, that was hard, you know, because it takes like all this stuff, yeah. like what you know about your body, it's like self-awareness, you know, to be like, okay, like, <laughs> why am I, why do I think I have big thighs? Oh, but right. Like, you know, to, to link it back, you know, and some of the stuff too, like, um, and some of the stuff too, do you find like a lot of it, it's like not our fault. Like a lot of it, I think it's like, I mean, maybe that's for another podcast, but like a lot of our thoughts, they're just, they're not ours, you know? Yeah. That's like the way that I phrase that. Like I found out that I was fat when I was six because I didn't have those thoughts before. Like they came from somewhere else. And it's, I think, yeah, you're probably right that a lot of them are not our own to hold. Um, Yeah. That's one of the things, one of the things that we do in the, um, in the Project Body Love program is to like go through your whole history with your body. And like, you know, when was the first time you were, you did become aware of, um, of your body 
you know, in, in whether it was powerful or fat or, you know, too small or too large or whatever, like when did you have this awareness, like this first judgment, I guess, of your, of your body and what happened. And, uh, you know, through the course of our lives, I think actually when we really, when we decide to look at it, there are many moments like that, that shape, um, the way we feel in our own skin. And, um, I think it just helps to look at it you know, and to, to see what's ours and to see where, um, you know, where some of our stories have come from. I think there's also a lot of self-compassion in that to say like, oh, this is not mine. Um, and I've been carrying this feeling yeah. about whatever my thought is or what have you. Um, and it didn't come from me. Um, and there's a real kindness in realizing that um, that it was never yours to carry, uh, and it doesn't belong to you now either. Um, and so it, that can be another really powerful practice for people listening who want to kind of dive deeper: is to just um, you know write it, think it, draw it, paint it, whatever. What is the history of your relationship with your body? Um, and uh, you know those little boys on the diving board, <laughs> those moments that we've all had. Um, and, and is there, do you have an opportunity to let those go? Um, do you want to let them go? Is there a possibility that you can, um, and do that little piece of forgiveness and, and then, yeah, forgiving yourself because some of the stories are our own or some of the, you know, behaviors or the way that we've kind of felt or thought about our bodies, um, and I think it's it's a beautiful act of compassion also to say, like, I'm sorry, and I've got your back now. So yeah. powerful. Thank you so much for giving us so many tools to cultivate body fullness. Uh, I think uh, we're on the same page uh, when I hope it becomes a main as as mainstream as mindfulness <laughs> going going forward um i wanted to if you're uh, just to close um i wanted to read you some of the book reviews like if you're listening to this podcast go just go get project body love it's such an enlightening book and you'll get just so so much out of it um i wanted to read one of the um reviews so uh you were a book club this month and um, and the three question i ask i ask what are your um biggest takeaways um and uh one of our leaders here at SheQuest, heather she wrote uh, respect for your body is important no matter what shape or size. And then the second was, um, if you had to describe this book as a feeling, what feeling would it be? And she wrote, give yourself permission for eating. Gosh, now I look back at my times uh, with Weight Watcher different. I so feel that even that group has rules. And I find that anything like Jesse said that has rule does not always work. We have to learn what um, our journey is for us and what works for our own life. So I do not believe in number scales or rules anymore. I love that. And then, um, and then, then the last question we asked everyone was describe how this book relates uh, to you in your life. And she wrote, um, 
This book is one of contentment. This book gave me so much insights and inspiration and made me feel happy and able to um, understand her story and my story in return. Oh so, so I just wanted to share that with you. I mean, it's just one, yeah. <laughs> you know, just one of the takeaways. But um, And thank you for your time, Jesse, yeah. today to just share all of this. Always so much Ah, uh, so just so um, you know this, but I always get like full body shivers like talking to you. I <laughs> uh, just, I just love you so much and what you put out into the world and bring forth. Um, and just one last loaded question because you know I love those. <laughs> um, knowing what you know about women's <laughs> women's body now, what do you wish women? Um, to know most about the magic of their bodies. Oh my God. That's the biggest question ever. Well, I, th- I think the, que- the answer is in the question that your body is actually magic. Like it's pretty incredible. Um, here's what I, here's what I have to say. So the, the minute you said like the magic of your body is I think of my doula practice and some of the amazing things that I get to teach women that their bodies do like, automatically um to you know be mothers um it's cool what our bodies are capable of (laughs) and I think um yeah that our bodies are actually magic and that I think that you know in the work that I've done you know as a doula as I also lead wilderness quests I have seen women's bodies do the most incredible things. And what I also, what I know to be true is that women hold their power in their bodies. And so whether that's the power of creativity, whether it's the power of creating humans or businesses or books or art um, or yoga shapes, (laughs) we hold that, we hold our intuition our sense of inner knowing in our bodies. And you and I both know that's women's superpower. Um, So much of what makes us powerful actually lives in the skin we're in and that we can cultivate and magnify that power um, by becoming more bodyful. And so, yeah, your body really is magic. And it is your power source. And again, it's that sense of like sadness and excitement when I think so many of us have been squandering our power, hating on it. Um, And also the excitement of like, what would happen if we all decided that our bodies were magical? Like we would change the world, Estelle. Holy crap. So. That's the takeaway. I love it. And I'm in a hundred, a hundred and more than that, a million percent agree. It's the, the body's the gateway to all the wonders, <laughs> to all, everything you seek. Um, and uh, I just, I just want to just thank you so, so much for your teachings and your presence. And uh, where can we find you, Jesse? And how can we support you? Yeah. Um, so I, my website is jessieherald.com and, um, there I, if you like my writing, if you've been reading the book and you're like, 
we're that. Then I, I write there twice a month and people can sign up for my newsletter. Um, and I'm also on Instagram at jesse.es.herald. Um, and yeah, if some of the practices that we've been talking about, um, and doing today resonate with people, um, I do have a four week project body love self-study program that's like videos and practices and, and all kinds of supports to kind of take you deeper into your very own individual project body love. And so if this feels like something that you want to keep exploring um, and what I'm saying is resonating, then you can um, check that out on my website too. Amazing. Thanks so much again. Bye. Bye, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you so much, Estelle.